Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Well, we have been doing a sermon series for a good while now, and it'll be going for a good while after this uh, on courage, uh, which I know many of you have found very, very helpful and very, very good. Uh, and so we jumped back into 2020 last week with uh, speaking on courage from the life of Joshua, and we'll return to that next week. But this week, I have a very special treat for you. Um, we are going to introduce you to uh, a man called Brother David Jardine. He has been an Anglican minister for 53 years. And he's also been a brother in the Society of St. Francis for 47 years. Uh, he has been a chaplain in Crumlin Road Prison at the height of the Troubles. He did, did uh, extensive pastoral work in New York City. He has pioneered divine healing ministries. Uh, and he is a man of great courage. And uh, in my time living in this city, his is a name that has always come up as a leader in this place, a man of courage and integrity. And so Alan is going to come and interview Brother David uh, on certain aspects of his life and courage. And then Brother David's going to tell us about, uh, at this stage of his life, um, what God is asking of him next which is another step of courage. So, stories of courage, meeting a very interesting and compelling person. Would you please put your hands together for Brother David Jardine? It is a real honor and a real privilege for me to get to uh, attempt to interview you this morning, but I think we will start right where it's obvious. You have clearly upstaged me in the dress sense this morning, so can you tell us a little bit about your robes and about the 47 years being part of the Society of St. Francis? Well, can I, can I just say that uh, I want to thank you all for the welcome that you've given to me here today, and Andy... You get every detail right there. Not everybody, when they're introducing you, gets every detail right. But you get every detail right. And Alan, it's been a pleasure in the last few months just to get to know you as well. And can I just say that although I come from a liturgical tradition, the Anglican Church, I could be happy in this church here. I've enjoyed the worship. I'll be honest with you. Do you see whenever I come, I'm out somewhere different almost every Sunday. But the quality of the worship is, is very often you know, what gives me a good yardstick for how this church is going. And this is absolutely terrific. I've, I've enjoyed this here this morning. And even the theme of courage as we sang those songs, especially about hope, it just struck me, you know, that no matter what is wrong, when you've got a faith in Jesus, there is always that hope that, that things can be different, that He can see us through. So I've been inspired already, actually, by, by what I felt here this morning. But the fact that I'm wearing these brown robes, I hope you realize, I said to Andy before, Belfast Vineyard's making a wee bit of history here this morning. This is the first time on these premises that I've actually worn the brown robes. But I'm going to tell you something. 
It's not my first time speaking in Vineyard. In the 1990s, I was invited to speak. Is there anybody here who actually went to Vineyard whenever it was over in East Belfast in the Maysville Leisure Center? Any, any former members? Yeah, there's, there's just a few, actually. Well, I spoke once there, actually, and I wore the brown robes. And at the time, whenever the brown robes might have been a slightly sensitive issue in some Protestant circles, I always remember the welcome, uh, you know, that I got there. Um, but the, uh, I have been a Church of Ireland clergyman for almost 53 years, uh, and then I felt the Lord was calling me actually on to something else, and that was to join a religious community, which up until a very short time before, I'd never heard of. I didn't realize there were religious communities like this outside the Roman Catholic Church, but it's called the Society of St. Francis. And if you look a little bit carefully there, you'll see that there's three knots there in that rope. Those are the three vows that we go to live under, uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Now, especially the vow of chastity. As a young man, making a commitment that you're going to live the rest of your life unmarried. I'm going to tell you something. That was a big step, so it was. So when we're talking here, Alan, today about courage, probably the biggest step of courage for me in the Society of St. Francis was actually to make the decision to go and join and to live under those vows. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. There's been a lot of times when I said, Lord, I would like to be out of this organization. I'd like to live an ordinary life. I'd like to have a wife and like to have a family as well. But I always felt that it was wrong in my spirit, down here, not just in my mind, down here. I always felt it was wrong. And for that reason, I am still in the Society of St. Francis after 47 years. And at this stage of my life, I can't see the Lord changing his mind now, Alan. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. As Andy mentioned earlier, right at the, some of the worst times in our society's history yes. in terms of the troubles, you were a, a chaplain in the Crumlin Road Jail. Yes. Can you tell us some of that time, some of your experiences there, and how you maintained that hope and that courage to continue that work, and maybe some of how that might impact us as people trying to see unity come back to our society and, and to live with courage now? Yes, I was Church of Iron Chaplain in Crumlin Road Prison from 1975 until 1985. It was actually an exciting ministry. The Lord has called me to do some exciting things because the people that you were reading about in the papers or that they're writing books about who were deeply involved in the troubles, those were the people that you were meeting with face to face. And in the main, they treated us very well. I would have been treated almost as well in Crumlin Road Prison as I have here uh, this morning, really, uh, in the Vineyard Church. But if you were to ask me in, in general terms, what's the most important thing for a Christian to be showing courage? Walk as close to God as you possibly can. My mother died in 2004, and I remember a Roman Catholic bishop saying a number of times uh, on on the radio on one occasion that a very difficult time for celibates is when their parents die. So that was a very difficult time for me. But if I was to give a bit of advice here this morning to anybody who has suffered the pain of bereavement, and it can be a very painful experience, I would say walk as close to God as you possibly can. And take seriously the words of Joshua as he was facing the biggest challenge that he would ever face, leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And at that moment, the Lord gave him the greatest word he could possibly have given him. Be strong and of good courage. 
be not afraid, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. Just let me tell you one story just on that theme, really from Crumlin Road Prison. In the early 1980s, loyalists took over A wing. There were four wings in Crumlin Road Prison, A, B, C, and D. But loyalists took over A wing. They held it for about three days, and then on the Saturday morning, uh, they handed it back. And I remember later on the Saturday going and looking in through the wee spy hole into the cells, and the boys were all lying there having a good sleep after their escapades of the three previous days. But on the Sunday morning, they all came to church. The maximum allowed in a church service in Crumlin Road on security grounds was 150. But 180 came that day, and the staff were afraid to say no because they knew the boys would have ratted. They'd just wrecked a wing, so they might have wrecked the chapel as well. I might have been out of a job. Who knows? But whenever I came out to lead the service that day, the whole place went hushed. 180 men. They had obviously planned something, and you always knew that. And a fella stood up, one of their, their ringleaders, a fella called Frankie, and in, with this hushed atmosphere, Frankie said to me, Mr. Jardine, have you seen the conditions our men be, are being kept in round an A-wing? They're not fit for pigs. What are you going to do about it? And at that moment, an inspiration from above must just have come upon me. And immediately, I was able to say to him, Frankie, I can understand why you're concerned about the conditions the men are being kept in. But maybe this is not the best time to talk about it. Could I come round and see you after the service and we'll see what we can work out? That's all right, Mr. Jardine. That's all right. Sat down. One of the best services we ever held during my 10 years in Crumlin Road when I went round immediately afterwards and had a chat with Frankie, never even mentioned the conditions the men were being kept in. <laughs> you know? So I just say to you again, in showing courage in difficult circumstances, Stay as close to God as you possibly can. As you get older, many of you are young people here today, but as you get older, develop the sense that the Lord is looking after you. You know, last week, I became concerned, are they going to get over the line and get these institutions up and down again? And I opened up, I read morning prayer every morning according to the Anglican Church, and I can't remember the number of the psalm, but I opened it up and it started off with the words, the Lord is king. And I said to myself, that's my answer. They're going to be set up. And I felt in my spirit that that's what the, what the Lord was saying. But develop a sense that the Lord is looking after you. Whatever circumstances you get into, even if you cannot see how you're going to get out of it, you develop a relationship with the Lord that you know that he will find a way through. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm sure there's a few more stories in there to tell. <laughs> a few more, yeah. Um, let's jump forward just a little bit. So early 90s, um, you felt that the Lord was leading you and stirring you into a new area of ministry. That's right. Uh, and to lead in divine healing ministries, which yes. you led for 25 years. That's right, I did. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that time? And especially how do we hold that tension of wanting to see God move in power in terms of healing yes. and having the courage when we don't see breakthrough to continue to hope and believe and reach for more. Well, if, if, if I could just say, when I, I was in America for three years, I was talking to Andy about that in, in New York City. It was, a, it was a wonderful period of my life. And like Crumlin Road Prison, I'll always be referring back to it. But whenever I came back here, I, I got a job working for four and a half years with the church's ministry of healing. And then that contract ended. 
and had a couple of months to sit and pray and reflect as to what the next step would be. I would say to you, brothers and sisters here, I probably don't need to say this, but never take an important step in life without taking time with the Lord to listen to Him. He might keep you waiting a wee bit of time before He gives you the answer, but whenever He gives you the answer, that will be the right thing for you. So I used to take time, a couple of hours, uh, every, every uh, afternoon, and I sat in a room on my own, and I listened I hope you realize that prayer is not just talking to God, it's listening to God. And I spent time listening. And in the meantime, people were saying, making all sorts of suggestions, you know, hey, you should go and run a parish and other things they were saying, but none of them gelled down here. None of them gelled down here. Until eventually after nearly two months, it just came to me as clear as a bell, an interdenominational service of healing in St. Anne's Cathedral, on a weekly basis, and it just clicked. There was just a lightness came in my spirit, and it has never left me since then that I had heard right. But interdenominational, that was very important. And I worked with a lady called Sister Margaret McStay. Margaret's 90 years of age now, but I'll tell you something. She was good in the healing ministry. There was no question about it. And she got us taking services in Roman Catholic churches, and every month for years, we would have been in a Roman Catholic church taking a healing service. I remember one night in St. Matthias's up the, the Glen Road, uh, Father Tom Toner, who was the parish priest, he came over, opened up the church, left us to take the service, and then when it was over, he came back again, and he locked up, and I said, my goodness, in the atmosphere in which we live, that's some level of trust. It really is. And, and, and there were some wonderful services, but this is what I want to say to you just uh, about, about the services in Roman Catholic churches. I felt at one stage, and especially on the theme of courage, I felt at one stage that the Lord was saying to me that before every service started, as I was introducing it, that I should say that I was sorry for the sins of the Protestant people against the Catholic people. Now, I wasn't saying that Catholics hadn't committed sins as well. You know, the IRA campaign would make that clear, but that wasn't my responsibility. Now, I prayed about it for some time before to be absolutely sure that it was the Lord who wanted me to do that. And eventually, I did become convinced in my spirit that this is what I was meant to do, but it took a wee bit of courage uh, I would have to be honest and say that to get up and do it. But every time that I spoke in a Catholic church, I said that I was sorry about the sins of the Protestant people against the Catholic people. Sometimes, actually, it was a very moving experience. I remember one night up in the, uh, in the Catholic church in Drumbow when there were about 300 people there. As soon as I said it, they burst into applause. And I'm going to tell you, that was something that was moving for me. But this is what I want to say to you. Do you see, whenever I did that, I got a freedom in my spirit. I got a freedom in my spirit for leading that service and for preaching. And I thought there was a relationship between being obedient to the Lord, saying sorry, humbling myself in order to say sorry, and the freedom that I got in my spirit. Brothers and sisters, the one thing that no minister of the gospel can do without is the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we should be prepared to do anything to make sure there aren't barriers that come in and prevent that flow of the Spirit. 
Now, Alan, that wasn't exactly what you asked me to talk about there, but I hope it was okay anyway. <laughs> it's wonderful, wonderful. Um, actually, just on that theme, we, you talked there about saying sorry, Absolutely. and it's about repentance and humbling yes. yourself. We talked earlier also just a little bit about the other side of that and about being the courage to forgive, to forgive. and to offer uh, forgiveness. Absolutely. Do you want to talk to us just a little bit about that? I'll be honest with you. Forgiveness is a very important subject to me. You know, I was on a church holiday in the year 2000. I'd read a lot about forgiveness before. I thought I knew most of the things that it was necessary to know about it, but a man upset me on this holiday. He was a good fella. You know, he and I were friendly. We never spent um, enough time together to become friends, but always, it was a laugh and a joke. It wasn't just serious conversation. Always with him, there, there, there was a laugh and a joke. But somehow or other, when we went on that holiday, he turned against me, and he, he, he couldn't say a pleasant word to me, and he said many unpleasant and hurtful things, and he did it in front of other people. And he kept it up right until we got back to Belfast. And I'll be honest with you, I was upset. I was really upset. But more important than that, that was the beginning of the summer. We weren't taking healing services then. By the end of August, I was still angry at him. And I said to myself, this is not a good place from which to conduct healing services and to preach and to pray for people who desperately need God's help. And I went back to an old friend. I don't know if you know her or not, Andy, Agnes Sanford. She was a great American lady, one of the pioneers of the ministry of healing uh, worldwide. And I remembered when I didn't particularly need it that she had told us how to forgive. And it was a very simple way. You know, she said, if somebody upsets you, start to bless them in the name of Jesus and keep it up for as long as it takes. And I started to do that. Now, why did she say that? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. In Romans chapter 12, St. Paul went even further. He said, bless those who persecute you. That's some statement. Bless those who persecute you. And then over at the end of the New Testament, St. Peter said, do not return evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. For to this you were called so that you yourselves may inherit a blessing. Brothers and sisters, I started to practice that. And I'm going to tell you something. In no time at all, you know, that anger had really disappeared from me. It started almost immediately, but, and it took a day or two. But then I practiced it with other people, sometimes politicians whom I'd never met, but who took a line that annoyed me and were maybe saying hurtful things about people who were important to me. And I started to bless them as well. And always it restored my peace. So I would say to you here today, if somebody has hurt you, I would say that applies to practically everybody here today. If somebody has hurt you, start to bless them in the name of Jesus. Keep it up for as long as it takes, and your peace will be restored. Let me tell you exactly. Say for the sake of argument, somebody called Jimmy had hurt me. Within myself, I would start to say, Jimmy, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. Jimmy, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. If Jimmy was standing there beside me with his back turned to me, he wouldn't know what I'm doing. But within myself, I would be blessing him and blessing him and blessing him. And can I just say a final thing? The more I want Jimmy to be blessed, the more I will be blessed myself. Very important gift to me. Thanks for asking me about that, Alan.
Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I think it's very interesting, uh, Brother Jardine. You've left an incredible legacy already. You've impacted so many lives. And yet when we talk about courage, you're talking about the inward things, repentance, yes. humility, forgiveness. Yes. They're not big outward expressions. They're starting in your heart. And I think that's something for, for us as well to consider. Courage often looks to begin with inward. Sure, absolutely. Um, can you give us a, a little nugget of how do we live in that tension of longing for healing to come and not seeing it come and remaining in hope? Well, maybe there's something just coming into my mind that I want to say to you, actually, just, just before. You know, if you, if you were to say to me, what's the most important decision that a Christian can ever make is giving your life to Jesus? And to be honest, we actually have to go and renew that you know, maybe not on a daily basis, almost on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, offering ourselves to the Lord. But the second most important decision, to practice the presence of God, to stay in touch with God all of our waking hours. That, for me, is of vital importance. Now, there are many ways in which you can do that. You know, I was talking, actually, uh, last week in a service, a healing service in St. Paul's Lisbon, about feeding Scripture into our minds. You know, even as you're walking along, carry on a verse with you. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. For I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go, especially at moments of challenge. But if you, if you really pushed me, what's the best way to practice the presence of God? There are many ways to do it. It's carrying within us a spirit of praise. Because praise isn't just trying to get something from the Lord, even spiritually, good and all as it may be. It's focusing on Him. It's worshiping Him and telling Him how much we value Him. And if we go about praising God for everything that is good in our lives, it takes our minds off ourselves, which is maybe the important thing. It takes our minds off the difficulty, which maybe we have had difficulty actually in getting our minds off, and it focuses on, on Him. So there are many ways to practice the presence of God, but to practice Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be on my lips. Amen. So, after five decades in ministry, that's the second of a sixth decade. Into now. your sixth decade. Yeah, so, well, after five decades, a couple of years ago, you felt like it was time to, to, to step back from the right. divine healing ministries and I'd imagine to, to slowly rest into retirement. Yes. That's but right. God had a different plan? He had a different plan, yes. I stepped aside at the end of 2017 uh, from, uh, from Divine Healing Ministries. We were, we were very blessed, incidentally, to find a wonderful chap called uh, Fergus McMorrow to take on from me. Honestly, we, we prayed for five years before we got that person, uh, and, and the Lord didn't let us down. So, I just say to you again, if you've been praying about something for a while, the Lord did say in two of His parables in Luke's gospel, there would be times we wouldn't get an immediate answer, but we would have to be prepared to persevere in prayer. But anyway, the way that He guided me was into an organization equipping for life, encouraging church people to give their services free of charge, to serve people in areas that may be deprived, um, that may be disadvantaged, that's a better word, disadvantaged, um, and may have suffered a great deal during the troubles. And the place where we started was on the Shankle Road, and now we're going into eight schools, eight volunteer tutors going into eight schools to take children for reading. 
And at Easter, we're going into three more schools in Rathcool and two in the Tona and Notmore Estates uh, in, in, in Lisbon. You know, so if anybody here felt that they would like actually to be involved in that, it would mean you'd need to give one hour per week. I'm a, a volunteer tutor in Fourth River School at the top of the shankle. I take little, uh, little Lucy for half an hour from 11 to 11.30, and then little David uh, for half an hour from 11.30 until 12. You could help us in one of two ways. You could either become a volunteer tutor in Rathcool, Lisbon, or, or, or Belfast, or you could become a prayer partner. Now, if you're a younger age group, you're probably out working. Maybe it doesn't suit you to come in the morning, but if you could become a prayer partner, I'm just reflecting, Andy, if you could even, as a church, pray for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. It really would be. It was the Reverend Cecil Kerr coming into Crumlin Road Prison in 1990 who showed me the power of prayer in the background, the most powerful service we have ever had in the, in the 10 years that I took in Crumlin Road. And ever since then, almost the first thing I do when I start a new work, start to organize prayer in the background. Let me just give you just, just one example. We, we went to Mulvern School in the Shankill Estate, and there's a little boy there who's just eight years of age, as well as coming to us, he's involved in other activities in the school. But for two or three weeks in a row, he wasn't able to go to the reading class uh, because uh, he was involved in other activities. So this wee boy of eight years of age, and very small for his age, he went along to the head teacher and he said to them, he said, he explained what had happened. And then he said that under no circumstances was this ever happen again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm really not answering your questions as well as I could here today, Alan, but, <laughs> but the, the important thing, if, if anybody feels they would like to be involved, even just praying in the background, that would be a wonderful gift for us. So I'll, I'll be up there. I'd need to take your details so that we can email you uh, each, each prayer leaflet. So, Alan, thanks very much. Brilliant. Thank you. I think here at BCV, you guys have heard us talk again and again and again about leaving legacy, about legacy in our city. One of the things I love about what Brother Jardine's involved in now in terms of equipping for life is that legacy isn't always positive. And they've looked across our city and looked at a negative legacy that's been sure. left from the troubles in certain areas in our city and said, we're not okay with that. Let's begin to rewrite the story. Let's, let's take simple steps, sure. profound steps to begin to undo some of the legacy of the past in some of those disadvantaged areas. And I, for one, I'm super excited to see what we as a community could do uh, coming around, coming on board, sure. getting sure. involved. Um, as we come to a close, what we'd love to do is a couple of things. One, I'd love to have you pray for us as sure. a community to just mm -hmm. release some of that courage. All right. um, but before we do that, could we pray for you? Yeah, I'd like that. And pray like for that. equipping for life and for yes. all that God is inviting you into. And again, as we did at the start, could we honor a man who has said yes again and again and again to what the Lord has asked of him? So if you guys would remain standing, I'm, I'm going to pray, and maybe a few friends would come and 
join me and we'll pray for you and uh, pray for what the Lord has in this next season. And the rest of you can join in. You can stretch out your hands and join us as we pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for an incredible life lived so well so far. We thank you for our brother and we ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh? Would you fall afresh? Would you strengthen his body? Would you strengthen his soul? We love the courage to say yes again and again. We love the heart for adventure in the kingdom. We love that our city is a different place because he said yes to you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, would you do more? Would you do more in this next season? We thank you for equipping for life. We thank you for the hunger to see uh, kids released into lives of hope. And we pray, would you resource? Would you bless? Would you encourage? Would you rewrite the story and the story in the broken communities in our city? And I pray right now, would you encourage our brother? Would you encourage him with your well done? Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Thank and then you. would you be willing? So Brother Jardino, pray for, for us as a community, and then the prayer ministry team, you guys can come, and if you would like to respond to receive healing or prayer for anything that's going on in your life right now, we, we probably all can't be prayed for by Brother Jardine because we don't have till next week, but uh, we'll have a prayer ministry team here who are equally capable as well, and there'll be tea and coffee and stuff afterwards, so if you pray for us. Maybe I could just ask you, just in a moment of silence, are there one or two people that you're concerned about? Maybe you've even come to church here this morning, but you've left behind people whom you're concerned about. You can pray for them in that moment of silence. And I would ask you as well, where would you like the Lord to touch you personally? Divine healing is Jesus Christ meeting us at our point of need. So just tell the Lord where you would like him to touch you personally, as well as praying for one or two other people as well. Let's be quiet for a moment, please. Lord, I love that peace that you give us whenever your people gathered together are in prayer before you. I think that peace is a sign, Lord, that you have heard our prayer and that you're responding and that you're releasing your Holy Spirit. So just let the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, just flow right over this gathering here to touch every person. Lord, we have been thinking at the season that has just passed that one of the lovely names given to you is the Prince of Peace. And Lord, at crucial times in people's lives, you just came along and you said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. I bless each one of you here today with those words of Jesus. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I bless you with the words of Psalm 55. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. 
He will never let the righteous perish. Lord, I just pray that you'll help each one of us here today if we're carrying burdens, not to carry them any longer in our own strength, but please give us the will and the grace just to let go of them and just to allow you to be in charge, knowing that as four men released a paralyzed friend to you, that you, Lord, were able to work a miracle in each of their lives. I just pray, Lord, that you will help each one of us to practice some of the things that we have mentioned in our talk here today. Practice the presence of God, to stay in touch with you, Lord, at all times, to say sorry to someone when we know that we have been in the wrong so that your power can once again be released in our lives, to forgive people by blessing them in the name of Jesus and keeping it up for as long as it takes. And here today, Lord, if people are suffering from physical ailments, physical sickness, if they're disturbed inside and need inner healing, if they need healing of their relationship with you, Lord, I just pray that very generously you'll just come and just touch us as our point of need. And we will go here from this place today rejoicing, Lord, at what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.